All right, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Mike Badalino. Now, Mike, I'm always curious to know uh, people's just health journeys, movement journeys. If you wouldn't mind kind of giving us a quick rundown on, hey, where you started, where you've come up until now. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. So I started, I kind of started doing, I guess, anything. Uh, probably in 2003. I mean, I sort of loosely did sports growing up. Uh, I mostly just liked, you know, going to get ice cream and food afterwards. I wasn't really into the whole like activity thing. Uh, I was into maybe like the camaraderie, but I really wasn't very, wasn't a very active kid. I was very into video games. So I guess in 2003, I got, I was quite a bit overweight and I got uh, hooked on running. And then I, I kind of go all in on things. So I started running like, ooh, I don't know, at least 50 or 60 miles a week. I mean, I was just so running So that's, a, a, that's a big jump then if you really weren't running yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't run uh, more than a quarter mile when I started. And then I dropped about 70 pounds. Uh, had some eating issues to go along with that. Uh, but, you know, I lost a bunch of weight. And I guess that was my first kind of jump into anything fitness related and then from 2003 to 2004 I just kind of did that I just kind of ran a lot and my brother had always lifted weights and I said you know maybe I'll just try this lifting thing and I remember going into the gym uh, when no one else was there and putting 135 on the bench and just getting stapled Uh, I mean it just it would not move you know I put I think I don't even think I warmed up I don't know what I thought I was doing but yeah I put 135 on there I'm, I'm like, sure you're not I the first person to have done that, though, either. Yeah, no. And I was like, man, I, I should be able to do that. Like, I, I know I weigh, you know, 150 or 160, whatever I was at the time, uh, but I couldn't do it. So at the end of 2004, I enlisted in the Air Force. I got into delayed enlistment, uh, and then I wasn't going to go in until early 05. So from kind of the end of 04 to the big, to like March of 05 when I went to basic training, I didn't have any sort of idea what I was doing other than I just, I really liked to squat and deadlift. Uh, and what I would, and, and I pressed it and benched as well, but I would do uh, 16, 14, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2 on squat. And then I actually think sometimes I pyramided back up, uh, but most of the time I would do that. I'd have no idea where I got these sets and reps from, but I would do that on squat, do that on leg press, stiff leg deadlift. I mean, I was there for hours, and then at the end of that, I would run for like another hour. So it was just, it was ridiculous. Maybe I was, uh, maybe I should have started CrossFit. I don't know. You know, <laughs> with, yeah. what I was with, with a rep scheme like that, that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> what I was trying to do, but um, yeah, I did that, and then I went to basic training. I got out of basic. I went to tech school. I actually went to tech school here where I live now in Wichita Falls, Texas. Uh, and I started squatting again. I think I was, you know, I got my squat, my deadlift up to about 365, having zero. I, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I still sucked at bench. I mean, I think I was benching like somewhere around 200, so I couldn't even really bench body weight. Uh, and then I just did a bunch of other bodybuilding mat, uh, exercises that I found in like flex, you know, or muscle and fitness. Uh, and from there, I went to England. Uh, when I lived in England, I kind of stumbled across elite FTS. Uh, and then I started to think I, well, actually I took that back. No, when I got to England, I first started uh, like my bodybuilding journey. Uh, and I, I got really into 
like bodybuilding diets and bodybuilding sets and reps and gained a bunch of weight for no other reason than I was uh, cultivating mass, you know, kind of like uh, Mac talks about and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I, but I just, you know, kinda, <laughs> That's I a fantastic reference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did that. Uh, and then I discovered Elite Fitness somewhere along 2007. I bought a sled to do my uh, GPP, my general physical preparedness, which is uh, that term doesn't get used as much anymore. But you know that's what what they used to call you know sled work, things like that, very frequently. So read everything on Elite Fitness, got really into that. And West Side, you know, I'm still benching like 240, but you know, of course, I got like I've got a dynamic bench day in there where I'm doing 95 against doubled mini bands. Uh, still, very little idea what the hell I'm doing. Um, did that for a while, got up to squatting around 500 uh, to write about parallel with, with knee wraps, uh, still benching like, I think I've maybe benched like 265, and then I deadlifted 585 with just an atrociously round back, uh, and then several misses at 600 over the, you know, the next few years, but I was always good for about like mid fives with, you know, pretty bad form, which took, would take me years to break, but that's, that's a story for another day. Uh, and then I moved here. I moved back to Wichita Falls, Texas. That's where I, I got stationed. Uh, and I walked right into the Wichita Falls Athletic Club, uh, which for you know pretty much everyone now knows that it's uh, owned by Mark Ripito, one of the most famous, probably uh, like, uh, I, you know, they call movies like cult classics. I don't know what you would call Rip. Uh, but he has like he has like a you know a, a following for people that when I tell them I'm from Wichita Falls they're like, do you know Mark Ripito? I'm like yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah yeah I, you know I, I met Rip when I first moved here, uh, and you know since then when I moved here in 2009 I mean he's really you know the starting strength has taken off tremendously uh, just in terms of all the different stuff they've been doing um, just from the the people that he's surrounded himself with that have helped bring his kind of brand and image out there. Uh, and I, I think it's been, you know, it's been po been positive for strength sports. I mean, anything, you know, uh, anything to grow the sport. I don't think that's, that's a bad thing. I mean, the, the information that's out there, there's tons of information. You can, you know, take what you'd like from many different sources these days, including, you know, stuff like starting Strongman, which of course, uh, you know, I support kale through that. Uh, but I lifted there for about, eight months, you know, I got it into uh, low bar squatting. Uh, I corrected my deadlift form. My bench got better. Uh, still not great, you know, and then I, I got into uh, the press more, how the, you know, starting strength uh, teaches the press, doing it more like that, uh, which I've since gone away from now, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, that's how I pressed for quite a while. Uh, and, you know, just kind of built up my baseline strength, did my first powerlifting meet, uh, met a, a really good friend of mine, Justin Lassick. Uh, Justin started 70s Big uh, years ago, and that kind of, you know, 70s Big isn't quite, uh, it, it was never really made like a household name, but it, it was a little more commonly known in the, the strength community than it is today. But, you know, we did that for about five, almost five years. Uh, I just remember when I came across that a few years back, I was like, this is just yeah. an amazing name for like, it really like the title 70s yes, big. No, like, he did. Oh it, man. Yeah. Killed it. Logo. Great logo. Yeah. Uh, I really wish it had taken off and become kind of what it could have become, but still some good articles out there. I know people have saved them. I think the server's dead, uh, but a lot of people saved those articles. So there's still some good stuff out there, but Justin actually worked for rip for a while. 
uh, until he moved. Uh, Justin moved to Florida from here. He li- he actually lived with me for a bit. I had a, a bunch of different people that I lifted with that lived with me for a while. Uh, so when Justin moved away, uh, I never really I never had a falling out with. Uh, with any with Rip, uh, it was someone that actually was running the gym for Rip. We just had a little bit of a falling out, uh, and we've I've since repaired that relationship. And, you know, we we have a good relationship now. But you know, at the time, it was just a not a great atmosphere. So I, I left there, came to the house, had a squat rack built for me, um, put that together, and just started building the home gym. And and long term, I knew that was going to have to happen anyway because you know uh, the Wichita Falls Athletic Club isn't a strongman gym, uh, and they're really isn't a strongman gym, you know, north or south of here for about 120 miles. And you got to go to Dallas, you got to go to Oklahoma City. So I just started building the stuff myself, uh, you know, putting everything together, uh, accruing equipment. I mean, I, I've gone from at the end of 2010 to just a squat rack. Uh, gosh, I don't know. How, I don't really want to calculate how much I've spent. Uh, but, <laughs> it's gonna you know, make you cry right a little bit <laughs> yeah any, anytime mike bardos puts out a new piece of equipment you know if, if i had it at a competition i was pretty much buying it uh well, i've and since kind of slowed down that a little bit my, my wife was just saying something to me uh, maybe an hour before we talk today because it's it's arnold weekend i mean this is going to go out a little bit later yeah. but uh like he posted something on social media last week or whatever it's like five or ten percent off or whatever it is like uh, all the once yeah. used stuff for the uh, uh, amateur Arnold. I'm like, oh man. And she's like, well, what are you going to buy? I'm like, you're actually encouraging me to do this. So that was, that was fun yeah. at least. <laughs> but like, all this stuff, like, all this, this stuff has been amazing. Like I, I've never yeah. seen anything that doesn't come from there where you're just not like, wow, like this is an amazing piece of equipment. I no, I really like all this stuff at this point. I, I think I have, I have the big yoke, the jack stands, the dumbbell, the axle, the lo- the boss log, which we actually call the dream killer. I don't think a, yeah, we're just gonna call it the dream killer. That'll be the dream killer forever because it's two thirty. Empty. empty. It's like two thirty. Right? Two thirty. Yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. It's so nice though. I I really like that log. It actually feels really good despite being so heavy. Uh, but yeah, just buying equipment, uh, coaching people. You know, started coaching people. I guess probably at the beginning of eleven. Uh, you know, doing. Uh, doing strongman competitions towards the ends of 12. Uh, I've done uh, a lot of USAPL meets. I've done Arnold a couple times for USAPL. Done a bunch of strongman competitions. Went to nationals last year. Went to World Strongest Man under 231 last year, which was humbling to say the least. I mean, that was a very, just an incredibly impressive event with some unbelievable lifting. but yeah, uh, now I'm kind of getting back in shape for a powerlifting meet. I haven't done one since nationals in 2015, but I really want to get back on the platform. Uh, you know, I know you you mentioned we, we were going to talk about my uh, my journey from super heavyweight back to middleweight. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm curious about that. Yeah, that'll be my uh, this will be my first meet as a middleweight. I competed. My first meet ever was as a 242, and then from there I never. I never made 242 again. I mean, I went from 242 to 275, then they got rid of 275, so I just went as a as a super heavyweight. And my last meet at the end of 15 was I weighed in at 294.5, and this one at the end of this month, you know, I'll weigh in at probably right around 231, 230, 231, somewhere right in there. But I can't be over 231.4, but right around there is where I'm sitting right now. So big, big difference from you know two and a half years ago. Well, now, because this is something, Mike, that I was curious about. So 
what maybe uh, what what brought about the change, but also what have you learned like on that journey? So it's like okay, making that conscious decision to do so, but what have you learned maybe about your body like uh, that you just didn't know before? Because there's going to be a lot of changes for you going throughout that. Yeah. So let's see. So I did the, uh, the what we refer to what Kale and I refer to as the infamous Jacksonville Platinum Plus competition at the August of 2016. I think it was called Southeast Strongest, but it was a Platinum Plus Strongman. And that was actually probably one of my best competitions that I ever had, aside from zeroing the log. I mean, after that, I did uh, had a really good competition and placed right right mid-pack, which I was happy with, uh, considering the depth of the competition. But after that, you know, I got back in the competition, and I, I kind of knew I wanted to drop some weight. So I said, okay, you know, I'll start cutting weight. So I went from, you know, I, I remember weighing in right around 290, and then from... September to November, I dropped about 30. I dropped about 30 pounds. I got from about 290 to, to 265. And once I did that, I said, you know, I should probably sign up for a strongman competition as a 265. So I did the I did the CAS as a 265, uh, which was it went did not go well. Uh, but I ended up qualifying for nationals, but it was not a good competition for me. And then I did uh, Dallas Strongest Man a few months after that. Which is even worse. I mean, that is, I kind of went into that one injured, uh, and that was also not a great competition. And then after that, you know, I, I had my qualification for nationals, and I, I started kind of trying to get a game plan together for that. And I was like, okay, they're probably going to have a log. They're probably going to have this. So I started a training program, and then I remember sitting there. Uh, I was sitting in my garage. I think it was July of 2017, and the weights came out for nationals. And immediately I scrolled to the log to see where it was. And heavyweight log, so to anyone over 231, so 265s, 300s, 300 plus. Anyone over 231, 320 log. And I went, uh, hmm, okay, guess I got to cut to 231. So that day, <laughs> so that day I decided uh, I was just going to cut to 231 and, and sign up as a 231. And hopefully they would let me compete, even though I qualified as a 265 compete as a 231 and that's exactly what i did i mean i just i signed up that day i mean i, I mean you know i put the 150 bucks or whatever it was i said yep 231 i told my wife i said i'm coming to 231 and i started on it the very next day and i ended up getting to 231 i think about a month and a half before nationals so i had some time to kind of acclimate myself to to being that way uh nationals went about as good as i expected i mean i knew uh you know, I, I zeroed the log, big surprise. Uh, my press continues to improve, but it's just not, it's not at the level of my other lifts. It never really, never really has been. Uh, but it was, you know, the other events went pretty well. And then I went from there to competing at World Strongest Man under 231. And for me, I mean, the competition went well. Uh, I didn't obviously place very well, but I mean, it was insanely heavy. You know, it was a 900 yoke, uh, which I had moved 15 feet in training. I got to that 25 feet in the competition. I hit a 265 log, missed 285, which I which I was fine with. I mean, 265 kind of flew up. Had Derek Poundstone judging me. That was pretty cool. Uh, the only thing about at Worlds that I was kind of bummed about was that I zeroed the car deadlift <clears throat> uh, because it was a really sweet looking Jeep, and I think it would have been a really cool picture. Uh, but <laughs> I, I did it in warm ups, uh, the empty car, and I was like, okay, that feels like feels like about 500. Like I can definitely do a few. Uh, and then they added weight for the uh, 
for the 175 guys. And I was like, hmm, okay. Or they had to wait for the 200 guys, sorry. So they added some weight, and I was like, hmm. Then I saw people starting to struggle. And then they added more weight for the 231s. And I couldn't even – I mean, I couldn't even break the flex out of the frame. I mean, it was that heavy. It was a, it was a heavy car deadlift. And I think – 20% of the 231s, 20 or 25% zero the car deadlift. So I didn't feel too bad. I was just kind of bummed. I'm like, oh, damn, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, I, I mean, I made the realization, you know, I'm probably two, three years away from being, being you know, competitive at all at that level. Uh, at like yeah, the, you're just not used world, to being that weight at all. No, not at all. Uh, so, and, and 231s, you know, people like to say, uh, that it's the most competitive weight class for strongman, and you know, I before I kind of would have disagreed with that, but you know, going to nationals and then going to worlds and seeing them, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm starting to get why people say that. I mean, there's just some, you know, they're incredibly talented people at every weight class. They're just a lot of really good 231s. And I think uh, and it's I'm, a mix of like, is it? Do you think it's like partly just the athleticism at that weight and still being able to like apply the strength then too? I think that plays a I think it plays a big role, yeah. Yeah, some really, I mean, some just uh, the athleticism is just like freakish from some of these guys. It's it's incredible to watch. Because uh, you, and it, you I, still have to very, be reasonably lean at that weight too. Like you can't really yeah. be a soft 231 like because most right. of the guys are what? I mean, probably hovering around 240 just like out out of competition if not probably even more. Gosh, 240, 250. Yeah. So, some of them get to about 260, but I think you're right, about 240 to 250 for a lot of them. I am just not uh, – probably because I don't have the sports background, I've never felt really comfortable cutting the weight. I mean, I even just cutting a few pounds, I'm, I'm not really crazy about it, so I normally stay around 231. That way I can just kind of walk in and do the competition at that weight. But you also know exactly where you stand then. Like, oh, yeah. If you're yeah. changing 15, 20 pounds and then all of a sudden right. the next day you have to go again – like. Right. You, unless you practice that a lot, that's rough. Some people are really, really good at it, uh, but I, uh, I'll probably never attempt it. I, yeah, I can say with near certainty that I will never attempt it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I decided to go from super heavyweight to heavyweight to middleweight because the weights between super heavyweight and heavyweight don't change very much. I mean, the weight you can carry does. I mean, you could be a 350 super heavyweight doing the same weights as a 265 heavyweight, which I mean, that's the way they have it structured. So you kind of got to play by the rules of the game. But uh, I figured, you know, I, I think I'll just be fine as a 231 and I've gotten pretty much everything back to near all time PRs uh, with the exception of my, my bench and my press, which are close, uh, but just not quite there with the, you know, the 20% weight reduction or a little more than that. How has that been like just mentally for you? Because I mean, just not being able to put up exact like numbers that you know you've hit in the past, like is that really messing with you? Do you do you understand like, okay, hey, I'm twenty percent lighter, like this should make a big difference here? Yeah, I guess at some point, I don't know when it happened, but uh, you know, you kind of get I don't know if you get mentally stronger or mentally more resilient over the years, but I just I guess I just don't care. You know, I I just know <laughs> I know where I'm at. I know, you know, I know sometimes it takes years to get back to the PR levels. I mean, I went a thousand days without a deadlift PR. I mean, I pulled 628 easily and then it still took, it took me another few years to hit 650. 
So, and there were, you know, injuries in there. There were things that happened times when I didn't need to keep my deadlift up because I was doing a competition for something else or training like a frame. But, you know, I guess I just, you know, I kind of look at things over the course of like an entire year. I'm like, all right, am I better overall than I was last year? Maybe not in every single lift, but it, overall, am I a better, better strongman, a better power lifter than I was a year ago? Uh, and, I know for now, like pound for pound, I'm the strongest I ever have been without question. Uh, and I feel uh, tremendously better. I mean, I, I guess I never really felt bad. Um, I did kind of when I was only doing powerlifting right around 300 pounds. But when I was doing strongman at about 290, I really didn't feel bad because I did a fair amount of conditioning. Now I just do a lot more conditioning. I, you know, I sleep a lot better. My quality of life's a lot better. I... I recover a lot better and those were things that I never really uh, I guess I just you know kind of took it for granted I'm like ah this is you know this is just how I feel uh, but now I'm like hmm I guess I never knew I could feel this good you know and be because you know I, I I'm not the uh, the most scientifically savvy individual however you know someone once once said you know your body doesn't care if you're 350 pounds of fat or 350 pounds of muscle. That's still going to be hard on your heart. Uh, and I never really thought about that until I kind of watched my my uh, my blood pressure go down and I watched my you know my resting heart rate go down and I'm like, okay, like these are uh, these are much better markers, much better numbers, you know, than what I had before. So ultimately, you know. Uh, this is this is still a hobby. It's something that I spend a lot of time on, something that I love, but it's not worth my life uh, at all. So you know, I want to be strong, I want to be healthy, and this is the you best. You probably way like for to compete to for a few at. more years too, right? Yeah, no, I want to compete for the rest of my life. I mean, I ha- I'm not. I know I'm not going to be able to compete, you know, three or four times a year forever. Uh, but you know, I have. I'd like to make it to. Uh, It'd be tough, but I'd like to make it to like IPF Masters Worlds. I'd like to. I think I, that's about as far as I can go with that. Um, I know I'm never, never going to be a national champion as a 231 in powerlifting. I mean, I'm my potential is probably not going to get me to a 2,000 pound total as a 231. I mean, realistically, uh, you know, I kind of know where I can get, and I think I'm like, okay, I can probably get to IPF Worlds as a 231 in 10 or 12 years. You know, because I'll be in my early 40s. I'm pretty sure I know where I can get to. I mean, I think I can get to a 700 raw squat. I think I can bench over four raw, and I think I can pull probably mid sevens. You know, I think I can get there. Uh, you know, as long as I stay healthy, consistent. I mean, injuries are going to happen. Things, life is going to happen. Uh, but that's you know, that's 10 years of training really hard 90% of the time. You know, and I and I know I'm willing to do that because it's something that I just it, I mean, it still gets me up every day, probably more than it ever has. You know, I guess uh, I'm pretty sure everyone knows who The Rock is, uh, but he kind of like talks about heard of him. Yeah, they might have heard of him. So, uh, you know, he kind of talks about how lifting is his anchor, you know, and that's exactly what it is to me. I mean, it just it makes me better in every aspect of my life. Uh, and it's something that I can always. You know, a lot of people turn to vices that aren't as uh, that aren't as healthy. You know, like drugs and alcohol. But I'd rather, you know, if I have a bad day, I'd rather just go deadlift. You know, that's what <laughs> that's what I want to do. That's, that's an what awesome I want to do. Right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean, even when you know, uh, 
you know, not to be a total Debbie Downer, but like the day my dad died, uh, you know, he passed away at around, uh, it was around noon and it was on a Friday <clears throat> and, you know, I was with him at that time. And then we, my, my mom, my brother and I went home and, uh, you know, everyone was really sad and I, I sat around for a couple hours and I had something to eat and I was like, you know, I really don't know what to do. I mean, you know, everyone, everyone was just kind of sad and dealt with it in their own way. And I, I told my mom, I said, Hey, uh, if it's all right with you, like I, I'm not, I'm going to go to the gym. Like, I, I don't know what else to, to do. Like I'm, I'm sad. You know, we knew it was coming. I mean, he'd been sick for a long time. Uh, I'm sad and I just, I need to get it out. Like, I don't, I don't know any other way to get it out than, uh, you know, than to go, than to go pump some iron. So I went to the gym and, uh, I lifted, and then after after I was done, I, I told the guys there because the, the, this is the gym out of town. I, I normally stop at when I go see my mom, and I told him afterwards. I was like, I said something like, you know, tell the tell the people, you know, that you that you that you care about, that you love them, and that you appreciate them, and what they do for you because you don't ever know what they're gonna be when they're gonna be gone. I was like, you know, my dad died a couple hours ago, and I'll never get to say anything like that to him again. And they looked at me, they're like, Jesus. Like that was really uh like that was really heavy, uh, but that's just that's just what it is to me, you know. And uh, another thing that <clears throat> that I kind of think about is that, you know, it's never uh, like this isn't guaranteed. You know, I had a great strongman Saturday yesterday, but that could hell I could be hit by a car this week and uh, be paralyzed. You know, that could be it. So I can't. Uh, I can't put, I guess, all my eggs in one basket. Like, I can't just be a strong man because, you know, it might not be there tomorrow. And I have to appreciate what I have today and the ability that I can do these things because you, you can never take that stuff for granted. Uh, you never really know. I mean, you can feel like you're healthy, but something it could be going on inside. They're like, hey, you've got this one in a million disease. You just don't know. So I try not to... Uh, to put too much into just, yeah, like just like lifting is my entire life. No, I have to be, you know, kind of complete in all uh, facets of my life in order to be a complete person, if you will. Mike, I think that's a super profound thing because so many people will put uh, just so much into, okay, like you said, what is their deadlift PR? What is, if we're talking Charmin, like, what's what's your like biggest stone that you can load like something like that but yeah how else do you find that you uh round out the rest of your life like what are just other things where it's um whether it movement based health based in general or just hey like do you like to go read do you just like to spend time in nature i mean anything like that do you do you really find health round you out uh from that standpoint oh let's see so i like to uh you know i like to really make sure that i make good deposits into uh so i think about relationships with having deposits and withdrawals so every time you you know you tell someone how much you appreciate them or you do something positive for someone else you make a deposit towards that relationship and anytime you you do something negative you know you forget to call them or you say something you, you can't take back you kind of make a withdrawal so i try to consciously make deposits into all of my relationships so i you know i try to stay in touch with the people that really matter to me the people that i really care about uh and to because it's really it's really easy to be a crappy friend and i i've been a, a bad friend before where i i don't reach out to people and take care of them the way that they deserve so i try to 
you know, I try to stay in touch with the people that are really important to me. Uh, I try to, you know, stay in touch with my with my family that I'm close with, uh, and then I try to make sure that, you know, I'm, most importantly, I try to make sure my wife is taken care of, that she has everything that she needs. You know, we're about to have our our, uh, our first kid here in about, you know, uh, let's see, five months, and that's uh, obviously a life changing event. So congratulations I need to make on sure. that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so I know that you know, uh, I've got to take care of her. So I try to make sure all of that is in order. Uh, I'm really big in education. I really think, uh, you know, if, if you went back and, uh, talked to some of my high school teachers, they would probably be like, yeah, he probably is in jail or, you know, <laughs> some of them would say that. And then the others were like, he was a jackass. So education is something that really, that's really important to me. Uh, I spent a lot of time going to school. I also teach online classes. I really, I really believe in education and I really, you know, Gosh, I really, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this quote, but the other day someone said, you know, it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily matter that you go and you get the degree. That's not the uh, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for the fact that you were willing to put into the time in order to achieve this. You know, that's what that's what that business that's looking to hire you is looking for. The person that was like, okay, you set this goal, you achieved it, uh, and that's kind of what I what I tell people. You know, when I mentor some of the some of the junior guys that get stationed here, you know, I tell them this is the best opportunity you're ever going to have to go to school. You might not necessarily ever use this degree for what you think you're going to use it for, but it's going to open up doors for you. I mean, you're going to go apply for a job one day where it's going to say bachelor's required or master's required, and you're going to have that box checked. So while you're here, take advantage of the opportunities. I mean, the, the Air Force paid for five degrees for me. And, you know, they're going to pay for a part of a sixth one for me. So I really, I have to take advantage of the opportunities that are afforded to me. You know, I'm not just going to throw them away. So I'm pretty big into education. Um, I do public speaking through Toastmasters. I, I think Toastmasters is a fantastic organization uh, in order to help people become better speakers and leaders. But I really joined because I wanted to become a better speaker. Ultimately, I'd like to do, I'd like to do some motivational speaking. Uh, I think it would be probably towards a younger audience. You know, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. You know, what kind of audience do I want to to do these these public speaking events for? And it, it's probably going to be something that I kind of start doing maybe for free at like a local high school level. Uh, just go there and just talk to like their football team or their powerlifting team or something like that. Because I like, you know, I, I, I love to speak publicly. I mean, it's the number one fear. People fear that more than they fear dying. They fear speaking in front of other people that amazes me every time yeah, i hear that quote. crazy crazy uh but i love it and i love uh i love helping people that have to speak publicly that hate it they're like hey i'm joining toastmasters because i have to do this for my job and i'm not any good at it and i'm like okay well we can get you there so i, I always tell people that it's it's great for people that like public speaking it's a great organization for those people and it's even better for people that hate public speaking but they have to do it you know, because you have to step outside your comfort zone and you have to do these things. So I'd say doing things like that. Uh, so have I you ever my, considered uh, stand-up comedy then? Uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I am really into stand-up comedy. I don't know. I think you just kind of have to have it. I don't think I do. I don't think I have the uh, the natural abilities of someone like George Carlin or Richard Pryor. I don't think I have that. Uh, but I really, 
I learn I learn a tremendous amount about myself when I listen to stand up comedy because I listen to it and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> I'm like, I get it. I get what you're saying there. Well, here, no, uh, I, I want to take this for a second. Yeah, because Mike, yeah. like, you, okay, the, the, you just compared. Uh, okay, this weekend, um, you, you compared yourself to Brian Shaw and Hathor Bjornsson, like in in that moment right now. So, don't you think you could still do this? But I, I'm trying to think of like somebody who's still mid level, like doing well, but maybe it's not there. Like they're still like not at the top the of the world. Like a comedian. Yeah, yeah. Well, because oh. you just pulled out like two names where it's like, well, I don't know that many people are ever going to yeah. achieve that, no matter how long they've been in the game. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I would say that a few years ago, I felt like Tom Segura was really underappreciated. Uh, I don't think he got his not enough uh, enough credit, but since his Netflix specials came out, I think he's gotten a lot more popular. And Netflix is changing uh, the game too. I mean, yeah, just, you, uh, you can, you can get out an hour or whatever, like just so much easier yeah. and reach probably even more people than you ever could before. Yeah. So I really, I'm, I'm a huge Tom Segura fan. Uh, I'm a huge Bill Burr fan. Uh, and then I actually, I love Dan Cummins. Yeah. And I love Dan Cummins podcast. And actually I'm going to uh, Dan Cummins show in Dallas in a couple months. And I've he has a he has like a club called the Secret Space Lizards, uh, and it, it has it's like a Patreon account. And you can get secret podcasts and whatnot. And you get you can buy a secret shirt. You can they, he's got like handshakes and stuff. But I've always loved Dan Cummins comedy, uh, and I love I love the podcast. So, but he talks about uh, he talks about lifting, and he actually at one point he mentioned powerlifting and said squat, bench, and deadlift. So I'm thinking, I'm like, this guy has to know more about lifting than the average person to know that those are the lifts that are a part of a powerlifting meet. Uh, so, and he, he talks about lifting in, in a pretty hilarious uh, uh, part of his stand-up from a couple of years ago where he, he likes to lift in a like an old Y because he likes to dominate. He just likes to be the, the <laughs> alpha in there and people are like, my goodness, I can't believe you can do that. And he's like... He's like, of course you're not. That, that would crush you to dust. But you know, I can do it. Uh, <laughs> so I actually, I, I wanna, if I have a to- the time to talk to him at the at the uh, at the stand up, you know, I'd like to be like, hey, like, have you ever thought about doing strongman? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if he has any sort of interest in that, but uh, I might as well just ask. So I'm gonna ask him that in a couple months. I but yeah, I, lo- I love I love stand up. Stand up is probably stand up is definitely another outlet. You know, if I'm if I'm kind of bummed out or in a you know, feeling feeling down. I'll just turn on some stand up. Like I'll turn on some Dan Cummins or Bill Burr, and I'll be good. Because laughter, I mean, it really best medicine. Totally agree. Now, how do you how, do? You listen to like, will you listen to podcasts like that when you're lifting, or are you do, do you not listen uh, to anything? Are you music? Like, what do you go oh, when with? I'm lifting? Yeah. Oh gosh, I mean, lift lifting music is all over the place. That's I mean, that goes from like Metallica, Iron Maiden to EDM, like Knife Party, uh, to Kesha and Lady Gaga. I mean, I listen to ridiculous music. I mean, it's it's pretty all over the place. Oh, I, I mean, to me, to, to like Juicy J and 3-6 Mafia. I mean, it, there's no, the, about the only thing that I don't regularly listen to is country. I mean, I listen to a lot of classical music. Uh, not a ton of, maybe not a ton of opera too, but like definitely just not a ton of country music. Maybe some female country singers, but not a lot of uh, male country singers. Uh, I don't know. But, just but never, no, never no comedy stand-up? Like you won't listen to his podcast while, or anything? No, no. Not while I'm lifting. No. I, 
the lifting really, you know, like a final set, you know, now that I'm starting to get into some heavier weights for, um, for the competition at the end of the month, like I definitely have certain, certain key songs that, uh, that really get me, you know, to what I call like red line. I mean, like right there, you know, I pulled a, I went for a heavy deadlift, heavier than I've gone for since I was 231 the other on Thursday. Uh, and gosh, what did I pull up for that? I think it was Gojira, something like that. Or no, it was uh, Black Breath. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty intense song. Pretty intense to get me uh, in that mental, uh, mental ready, the mental readiness, you know, ready for that set. Yeah. So one thing I was curious about. So. Uh... Chrono strength. That's yes. uh, your handle. What what does that mean? Hmm. Gosh, that's a great uh, that's a great question. So Chronos would be the god of time. I believe. I believe. Uh, I'm not sure if it's. Do you know, I don't know if it's Roman or Greek. I can't remember. But it was kind of a throwback. I really like the Chrono Trigger logo. Uh, and when I had someone design the logo for Chrono Strength, I know it's more like Atlas. You know the the actual logo for it, but I didn't. At the, when he drew it, I was like, this is just too awesome. I love this. Uh, and it's actually, I don't know if you know who Kane Wilkes is. Kane Wilkes is actually, he did the design for me. Kane is the, I think he's the last American to clean and jerk over 500 in competition. I think, I can't remember if, uh, who had done it previously before him. I don't remember if it was, if there was a, a drought as long as Shane Hammond to, uh, I know Shane Hammond still has the record, uh, but Kane Wilkes, I think he snatched 183 or 186 and clean and jerked over 230. I can't remember if it was right at 230, if it was just over. But Kane actually drew the uh, the design for me. And Kane is a fantastic artist. I would definitely recommend him. Uh, and that was at the end of ooh, end of 13 or 14 that he did that logo for me. Uh, but I like it a lot. I guess I've never properly articulated why time is so important to me. Uh, other than it's, you know, it's finite. I mean, it's, it's once it's, you know, this, this minute, the next one, there's only one of them. I mean, they're never coming back. So you have to, you know, things like each day might be your last. So I, I play the long game with, with strength and with the people that I coach. And it's not a, it's not an overnight process. I mean, the toughest thing is to get people to, to think about smart goals. And I actually wrote an article for Kale about this a few years ago. So specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time oriented. And to get people to realize like, okay, you know, someone, for example, someone told me, he's like, I want to go to world's strongest man. I'm like, okay, well first you got to do your, you know, your first local strongman competition and then maybe move up to, you know, like a level two and then go to nationals and then get to the Arnold. And then, I mean, it's, there's a, very few there are very few people like Mike Jenkins that are able to walk into a strongman competition, dominate, and then make it the world's strongest man. I mean, most people are not like that. Uh you know, I kind of tell people like, you know, NFL players, like the best players in the NFL, they're generally not like you or me. I mean, there's there are people that the first time I, I mean a lot of them, you know, you, I don't know, understand how we're all the same like human being. Like yeah, it doesn't make not, any sense to me. You know, and, and I'm like, you know, I guess with like Brian Shaw and Brian Shaw and Hathor Bjornson, you know, there's good examples like you mentioned uh competing at the Arnold this weekend. 
and I try to tell people that I'm like, those guys aren't like you and I are. I mean, if you've ever been next to them or looked at a picture of them next to someone like Jay Cutler, they're like, yeah, Jay Cutler's huge. Look at them. Look at Jay Cutler and then look at Shaw and Thor next to him. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, Brian Shaw's hand, when he shook my hand, his fist completely, I mean, took over like both of my hands. I mean, it's not even, uh, I mean, it's almost laughable. I mean, these are just, they're, they're monsters. And their, uh, their capabilities are so far beyond, you know, what pretty much anyone on this planet is capable of. So I'm not saying people shouldn't shoot for the sky. You know, I, I mean, shoot for uh, as high, go, go as far as you can. But you have to be, re- you have to be realistic about these things. Gosh, go, like, well, we were, we're talking about like, uh, okay, you, you cut weight. Like you, you're finding yeah. like something, a, a body weight that's probably more applicable to you. Like you can do more with this. It's like you're not going to get up to 350 and go to world's strongest man to go to the Arnold. Like you're finding something right. where you can probably be the most competitive and Absolutely. do pretty damn well at it, but still you're, you're not six, eight, six, nine, four plus hundred pounds. And that's another good point. Uh, you know, I'm going to be as good as I can be. And, and a lot of people, and I think this probably took me a while to get to, uh, but a lot of people will send me, like videos of other people like, man, this is so impressive. Like I, I can't do that or I can never do that. And I'm like, who cares? Like who cares that, you know, that, you know, this guy is pulling 900 and you're only pulling 405. You're still pulling more than most of the population of the world could ever dream of. I mean, just do what you can do. Like do you, you know, don't worry about what all these other people are doing, but like, oh, but this person on the internet and this person on Instagram, you know, and people have said, like, social media is the worst thing ever. It's not necessarily that social media is the worst thing ever. It's how we use it. You know, we go to it, and then we're like, oh, we just we scroll through uh, Instagram until we're just really depressed with how much we lift. But you have to realize, you know, it's it's your journey. No one care. No one's going to walk in and be like, yeah, Mike, go ahead and, you know, try to hit 300 on that log. No one else cares except for me. I care. So that's why I want to do it. It's not for anyone else. It's for me. It's for my own. I, I, I'm an intrinsically motivated person. I always have been. Uh, so I'm going to do what I want to do, uh, and I'm not. I'm not worried about what everyone else is doing. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't get me down. It does. It unfortunately, bums a lot of people out. You know, they're like, "Oh, well, I'm not doing this, so why even bother?" But I really I, I, think I've never this, thought oh, that. You know. You know? Well, oh, go, go ahead, Mike. I think this comes back to something you were saying before. Like, you're not. You know yourself well enough to recognize, and you. I think like the the aspect of time comes in here to play too. Is you recognize, you know what? If you could never lift again, come tomorrow, well, you still have your education. Like nobody can take that away from you. And if for some reason, like you weren't able to uh, give speeches, like a Toastmaster or something like that, well, then you can still go and uh, you can still. Uh, give to those relationships, right? Like uh, all of these things, like you have, you have an understanding about yourself and about how all of these things play together. It's not just that one is the absolute and ultimate that will ever be like, there's so much more to life than that. And I, I think that's what I really appreciate about what you've been talking about here because people are like, you said, if people are on Instagram and it's like, Oh, well, if I'm not lifting this, like, what does it really matter? It's like, well, shit, you probably have so much else going for you in your life. Like you're just not even recognizing it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if it's that I necessarily, I don't want to say that I, 
that I feel bad for people that like, I want them to, to want more than just, you know, just competitive strength sports. I mean, you have to be, you don't want to go. And in some cases you, you might have to go completely all in to be the best in the world. But, you know, for example, someone like Brian Shaw, I think at this point, now that he's, uh, now that he's married and then he has a kid, I mean, he's not going to totally forget about his wife and kid just to win world's strongest man. I mean, you have to, you have to remain balanced. So sometimes I, when I see people and I'm they're they're kind of losing that balance and they're not, they're not working on those relationships. They're not working on themselves. It's only physical. I mean, they're not working on their mental, uh, their mental capacity. They're not working on themselves socially. Uh, and if it's something that's important, they're not working on themselves spiritually. I mean, however they, they want to work on themselves, they're only working on that strength aspect and that strength is fleeting. I mean, you might be pulling 900 today, but next week you might herniate a disc and you might be back to the bar. And you don't want to just have that. You you've got to have like you've got to have a plan B. You know, uh, that strength is not going to be with you forever. But your mental capacity, unless you get you know some sort of mental uh, mental illness, uh, is going to be with you. And that's you know, I, I think about it from time to time. I think about like if I get T-boned and I and I'm paralyzed, what do I do? Uh, if I go blind and I'm you know, could I still lift Ohio's one? Sure, uh, but it would be to do all the other strongman stuff. I mean, I would have to rely on someone else to help me load weights and to to move all these different things around. So I would probably pick up something like music. In uh, worst case scenario, if I you know if I develop some sort of debilitating disease, I think about someone like Stephen Hawking. I could never ever dream of being as intelligent as he is but look at what he has done in his situation i mean you know for all intents and purposes i mean changed the scientific world and just explored things that no one else ever would have uh so i kind of look to people like that as an example like this is this is what you could do you know if these things were taken away from me uh so yeah, i try not to take anything for granted ever uh because that's when I think you know you start to uh, go too all in and you become unbalanced and you're not complete in all those areas. So one of the things we talked about was uh, just education in general, and I'm curious, like, what are you what are you geeking out on right now? Is there anything like that you're just like whether it's something that you're studying for a degree or just something you're just super interested, like anything you're just going to town on? <sighs> well, I, I, you know, I, I jump around a lot with. Uh, I do. I've read a lot of different leadership books. Uh, I did a bunch of I've read through a bunch of Simon Sinek books last year, and right now I'm actually trying to think of what I let's see. So I did Radical, no, not Radical Honesty, uh, Extreme Ownership was a book by some Navy SEALs that was excellent. I finished that, and then I really decided that another item that's on my bucket list is I'm very uh, disappointed in myself that I've actually never read the complete Lord of the Rings. I've never read, you know, and I never even realized it actually is just one book and then generally just split it up into three parts, but I've never read all of it. So I started reading through that. Uh, and my goal is to have that done, you know, at some point this year, it looks like according to my Kindle, it's going to be about 28 hours of reading and I don't read as quite as often as I would like, but you know, I, I am trying to make it through my, uh, that book this year. Now, are you uh, always some, so yeah. do you always like to like read, not even necessarily physical books, but like, do you yep. like to read because you, okay. So the reason I ask is, um, so you help host a podcast, right? So like, do you like to listen to books too then? Like what's your preferred medium on things? 
Oh, okay. So generally I read on my Kindle. Um, I'm actually studying for my CS, CS2 just because I think it, I don't think it's a bad thing to have. I mean, you never be over overly educated until you get to the point where you're just going to school and not doing anything else. Um, but, uh, I'm getting, trying to work on my CS, CS. So I'm, I'm reading that reading the Lord of the Rings on the Kindle. Then the CS, CS books, a physical book. Uh, and then for podcasts, I'm really only doing a couple podcasts at the, at the, for the time being, you know, uh, I listen to the strong talk episodes that I'm not on when Kale interviews other people. I listen to Dan Cummins time suck because that's just, so he kind of explores different, um, different things each week. Like let's see. So for example, the one I listened to today was about, um, I'm not a mine, but it was about something that they were exploring over and over again in Canada, uh, looking for like treasure, uh, that was never, there was never any proof that it was there. So that was a pretty interesting podcast. Uh, and then he did one about Eleanor Roosevelt. That was really good. One about Albert Einstein that I really liked. Um, and I also listened to a podcast called weightlifting house. Um, that's with Glenn Penley and Seb Ostrovich. I believe he is British. Um, but he interviews a lot of different weightlifters and that's another, I'm, I'm kind of interested in all a multitude of strength sports, you know, not only just strong men, but also, you know, raw, mostly raw power lifting, a little bit of single ply. Um, and also weightlifting. I, I really enjoy following weightlifting. I, you know, I'm kind of excited to see Ilya Ilyan come back and make a uh, run for 2020. I think that's going to be really cool, but I think there's so much you can gain from learning all the different aspects of those sports. Uh, I think sometimes we get too, too wrapped up in what do other what are other strongmen doing or what are other powerlifting powerlifters doing uh, like as a strongman? And I really think there's a lot you can learn from weightlifting uh, because in general, no one trains more often per week than an elite weightlifter does. Now granted uh, systemically, you know, doing, doing the classical lifts, the snatch and clean and jerk, if you're doing them in a, uh, a reasonable intensity, you know, throughout the week is not going to beat you up to the same degree if you were doing yoke every single day. Okay. But there's, there's just a lot that you can learn about recovery, you know, from, uh, from someone that's training nine times per week or program structure for someone that is training that often. Uh, and it, that, that really interests me. And I, you know, I've tried to learn as much as I can about that because I think that helps me be a better strongman and powerlifting coach. I, I, I do not profess to coach people in weightlifting because it is a very, you know, while I think you can coach um, powerlifting and strongman a little bit easier through like online programming, it is very difficult to teach a novice weightlifter, you know, the snatching clean and jerk over the internet, especially someone that has no athletic background. I always re recommend that someone for weightlifting to learn a snatching clean and jerk, go find a coach, you know, and I am uh, never going to get the amount of hours that are, that are necessary uh, to become like a 10,000 hour coach where you have 10,000 hours of teaching the snatch and clean and jerk. I'm never going to be that person. I, I just, I don't have that, that, that. That's not my life. I mean, I have a regular job throughout the week, uh, you know, and I do the strength stuff on the side. So I'll, I'll just never have that time in my life. Uh, so I'm never going to try to be, you know, the next, uh, gosh, now, now I can like the next Glenn Penley. Like I'm never going to be, you know, someone like that. 
what about your interest uh or do you have an interest in just like odd lifts uh because i mean like martin's this weekend doing with the steinborg squad or whatever, oh, like resurrecting that i thought that was fantastic that they brought that back i do uh just to, to some degree i really like uh i've really gotten more into grip uh sure and that's another kind of that's an even more niche sport than strongman is uh, and I don't know nearly enough about it, uh, but I, I bought a flask uh, to do flask lifting. I think I got that a few months ago. So that's really an, an interesting way of training your pinch grip. And I'm not entirely sure because I changed a bunch of different things. I can't quite uh, put my finger on what variable contributed to making my grip strength even better than it was. But, you know, I've been doing a lot more uh, like my chin ups and pull ups I do with. Uh, grandfather clock grips from rogue or grenade balls from rogue and then i use the i-beam from the there's another mike Barros power center thing i have i do my uh, cable rows with that uh, then i also like doing the flask lift i like doing the iron mine hub uh the rolling thunder i think i hit i don't remember i hit 186 on the rolling thunder yesterday which if it's not a pr it's very very close uh, i've been chasing 200 for a really long time uh, grip is one thing where you just – some people just seem to walk into strength sports, which is an incredible grip. I've always had a pretty good grip, but not – you know, nothing like Ode Haugen, you know, when I watched him do a 244 rolling thunder cold. Uh, but I like – you know, like Captain's a Crush, but like the silver bullet hold. I like stuff like that. Uh, and then in terms of really odd objects, I, I really, uh, really want to go over to – I want to go throughout Europe again, even though I lived in England. I didn't know all this stuff, and I wasn't that strong back then. But I'd like to go and do all the kind of classic stones. Like, I'd like to do the uh, the Denny stones. I'd like to do the manhood stones. I'd like to lift the original Husafell uh, in Iceland. So I'm planning on doing that. Probably in three or four years, I'm just going to fly to Europe with uh, my wife and kid and a couple other friends. <clears throat> just go throughout Europe just lifting stones. I think that would be really – and then learning a little more of the history from the people that, you know, uh, that know the most. <laughs> and I went to uh, – I'm not sure if you've ever been to Austin. I've been to the Stark Center, which is Dr. Terry Todd's uh, museum, for lack of a better word. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's – I probably took several hundred pictures. I've never told, taken several hundred pictures of anything. Uh, and just all of the cool uh, – just he, you know, he's got like Kazmaier's first World Strongest Man trophy. He's got the stone that Jill Mills lifted back in 2003 for reps on the Arnold stage. I mean, he's just got all these uh, ancient implements, you know, that you just you won't see anywhere else in the world. Uh, and just going there and kind of geeking out on, on stuff like that was really cool. Uh, but yes, I'd like to get more into. Uh, I guess I just need to, you know, I wish I could find some people that were a little bit more local uh, to do like a like a like a grip training day. Like there are a couple of people that I follow on social media, and I'm starting to uh, actually. I think it was either last weekend or the weekend prior. Ode actually had an arm lifting competition uh, at Clay Edgen's gym in uh, Santa Cruz Strength in California. And I actually, my weightlifting buddy uh, Ben Claridad actually went out there and competed at that. He's He's a really good weightlifter, uh, and watching him compete, and that was pretty cool. But I, I don't know enough about arm lifting. Uh, I just hope that O does something, you know, kind of in this area. Or I just might just go out there at some point, just do one, just because it's cool, it's different. You know, I, I did the uh, 
I think it was called the Vice Group Viking Challenge. I did that the day after this. Uh, I did the San Jose Platinum Plus a few years ago. That was really cool. Uh, double overhand Apollons or Apollons Axle, uh, Rolling Thunder Deadlift, Hub Lift, Silver Bullet Hold. Can't remember if there's anything. My hands but are just was, getting tired, like thinking about something yeah, like that. But that's that stuff is really really fun. Uh, and it's, it's just different. And, you know, I, I like to do that. I kind of do it just at the end of my strongman Saturday just to kind of totally smoke my grip. But I think it's a, you know, it's a good thing. It's fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't have the athleticism that Martins does to do some of the insane feats that he can do, uh, and manage to, you know, stay healthy doing that. I don't think I could do a Steinborn squat right now and with 225 and not walk out with something feeling a little weird. Yeah, yeah like, but that stuff just I, the side, awesome. like working in that frontal plane like that. I cannot imagine like just your obliques. I mean, lats just having to pull down on the bar like that to stand it up and everything. That's got to be crazy. I mean, I talked about. Uh, I think I talked about it a week ago with Kale or two weeks ago. You know, we talked about someone like Martins, and I don't think he. I mean, he's just the. You know, he he's this perfect blend of you know, a straw man that would have existed, you know, over a hundred years ago with the, the strength of someone and the abilities of the best in the world today. So he's just, as long as he stays healthy, I mean, he has unlimited potential and he's, he's already had some really bad injuries, but he comes back from them pretty quickly. I mean, I think he tore his lat like two months ago, you know, uh, or tore something a couple months ago and he's already, you know, back to, uh, back to some really heavy, really interesting training. I mean, the stuff that he does is very unique. So, Mike, we're coming up on an hour here, and what? I just no kidding, huh? yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we've been talking for a while. It doesn't feel like it. One thing I always like to ask people is uh, just like, who would you want to hear on this podcast, and like, it, or even just who have you guys not had actually on your show that you would like to have on, and like, what's one thing that you just want to dive into them, uh, dive in with them, like just ask them, hear about them, talk about. Uh, well, I am a. Uh... I'm a huge Mike Burke fan. I always have been. Um, and, you know, he came into Strongman relatively late in his, his career and just kind of ascended to the top, you know, podiumed at the Arnold, top five of World's Strongest Man. And then he decided to give it up in order to make sure that he was healthy enough to, to take care of his kids and grandkids. And Kale went to China with him in 2013 or 2014 or maybe even both years uh and you know he kind of talked with kale a little bit and that's just something that you know that most people would not want to do is kind of give it up when they're at the top you know for what they want to be in 10 years because really i mean unfortunately you know i see a lot of the ways that people live today you know that want to win uh, they're like, the next competition is all that matters to me. I'm not worried about walking in 10 years, but then you really see some of these guys in 10 or 20 years and God, it is just sad, man. I mean, they're in crippling pain every single day from, uh, a lot of stuff that was preventable. I mean, you can be, you know, and I've told people before, it's called strong man, not smart man, but you've got to be, you know, you, <laughs> You've got to be intelligent about this stuff. Uh, I mean, it is definitely – you have to toe the line. If you want to push yourself and if you want to force adaptation, you really ha- you really do have to push it. But you have to know when to hold and you have to know when to fold. You, you, you've got to. You've got to have that uh, mentally where you're like, 
do I go, do I stay or do I go? I mean, I, for the most part, I tell people, you know, if you're going to lay it all out there and potentially risk injury, I mean, it needs to be at a competition where, you know, you're about to, are you going to podium at World's Strongest Man? Or are you going to, you know, you're going for that Arnold, Arnold spot? Or are you going to put it all on the line right here? But if it's just a training day or if it's just a local competition, you have to know in or if a you're going to work second, on Monday. <laughs> yeah, in a split second, is it worth it? You know, is it worth it? My arm feels really weird right now. Do I do this Atlas Stone and then spend $3,000 on surgery and then 16 weeks on rehab? I mean, you, ha- you have to have that. Uh, and again, that goes back to the whole chrono strength thing, the whole thinking about things very long term. Like, I want to be, you know, I'm deadlifting today at 32. Uh, I want to be deadlifting in 50 years. I mean, I want to be deadlifting at 82. So do I put 10 more pounds on the bar today and potentially risk not being able to deadlift in 10 years? Or do I just stop and continue to deadlift for the next 50 years? You know what? That's that's up to me. I mean, the only thing you ever have complete control over is your choice. You know, how you react to a given situation. So Hopefully you make the right one most of the time. I mean, I know I've been a dumbass before, and I, I, uh, I've gone for it, and I've paid for it. But don't make the same mistake twice. You know, don't do the same thing again. Make a different mistake, but learn from it. That is that is absolutely amazing advice there. Mike, just in, uh, in closing here, where can everybody find out more about you, what you have going on, if they want to hear you uh, podcast, and if they want to have you as a coach? I mean, anything like that, if you wouldn't mind sharing, please. Sure. You, they, can, uh, they can find me at Chrono Strength. Uh, on any any uh, bit of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email chronostrength at gmail.com. That is my email. And they can listen to the Strong Talk, Strong Talk podcast that Kale and I do. Uh, I think we need to get you on the show uh, since you've, you've interviewed both uh, both me and Kale. So we'll uh, definitely uh, appreciate it uh, so we can get you on there to talk about, talk about your journey because I'd like to hear more about it. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you having me on the show. I guess you know, I kind of knew a little bit about what we were going to talk about, but as we sort of got into it, you know, I think you asked me some profound questions that kind of caused me to think on the fly about what what really is important to me and why I do the things that I do. Well, I'm I'm glad, and I actually just really appreciate what you were sharing. Like you could hear uh, just the true emotion and passion that you had uh, for what you were talking about, and that really comes out. Uh, and that's that's what it's all about: being able to share that. I think with everybody, and we talked about the education standpoint. Hey, you're just here, share what you have, and hope feel. Hopefully, somebody can take something from that. So, Mike, thank you again so much. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. Hey guys, and thank you for listening to the Bare Naked Health Podcast. If you want to support the show, please head over to iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, give a five-star rating, positive comment. This really helps other people find this show uh, or just share it with your friends. Uh, Hopefully they can get something out of it too, but thank you very much and look forward to talking to you soon.